0: Thematic investing is really about taking a look at a particular trend or event or theme that is impacting society now, but also over the long term.
1: Welcome to Deep Dive, a special episode of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these episodes, we put BMO GAM's investment strategies under the microscope so you can see how they work for your clients and your practice. In this episode, Portfolio Manager Chris McCaney and host Daniel Nesel put a spotlight on megatrends and BMO's new innovation ETFs. They explain the rise of technological disruption as a central theme across sectors and why investors should not ignore the long-term potential for exponential growth. Before we hear from our experts, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and bookmark BMOETFs.ca in your browser.
2: Welcome back to the BMO ETFs Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Nuzzel, Product Manager with BMO ETFs. We have Chris McCaney here with us today. Chris is one of our ETF portfolio managers and overall ETF and industry expert. Thanks for taking the time to join us today, Chris.
0: Thanks, Danielle. Glad to be here.
2: Well, today, Chris and I wanted to have a conversation about thematic investing, or put more simply, investing in large-scale trends or themes. This is a new and really exciting way of looking at the market, and it's a lot different from more traditional methods where you often see things broken out by sector or region or market cap. And thematic investing really gained the interest of ETF investors in 2020, particularly because the performance was really strong In fact, the top-performing ETFs in Canada and in the U.S. last year all were exposed to a global theme or a global trend. So Chris is here today to give us more information about this kind of investing and to talk about the growth opportunities which are tied to these themes. So Chris, let's just start with the basics. What's thematic investing all about? What does it mean to invest in themes or invest in trends? And how does this differ from traditional ways of viewing the market?
0: Sure. Thematic investing is really about taking a look at a particular trend or event or theme that is impacting society now, but also over the long term, and taking a look at how that will impact companies potentially across industries, across sectors, and potentially across geographies as well, Um, and investing to get exposure to that trend as it plays out over the long term. Compare that to traditional ways of investing, where you might take a look at a company and the financials behind that, what the revenue has been of that company over time, what the expenses have been, and putting together some sort of assumptions on how that's going to play out in the future in order to determine the present value of that stock and, and invest accordingly. Again, thematic investing is really more about looking forward rather than looking at past history and being able to determine potentially where some exponential growth may happen again over the long, long term, five, 10 plus years out.
2: Thanks, Chris. So these are long-term type strategies. So if I'm an investor who's building a portfolio, where might these fit in my portfolio? Would these be considered core positions or would they be treated more like a tactical position?
0: Yeah. And if if you take a look at those characteristics of what we just described, potential for exponential growth as well as that long term element, um, they really can be considered as part of that growth bucket of an investor's portfolio. I would say, you know, it's, it's possible to be tactical with these sort of investments, but because they're playing out over the long term, it's really hard to determine what might happen in these areas, you know, over the next call it six months or one year plus. So it's really difficult to be tactical and, and move in and out of these strategies. Really, what we think makes a lot of sense is as a sleeve within, again, that growth bucket of an investor's portfolio with an eye to long-term uh, returns. So for, uh, for an investor that uh, has short-term needs and really wants to make sure their capital is still there next week, next month, next year, you know, you might want to shy away from these versus a growth investor that has that long-term time horizon Maybe a younger person that's investing for retirement or or into a child RESP, again, for the longer term, um, you know, we think it makes a lot of sense to allocate to these trends or themes in that growth bucket and be, basically be able to uh, put a sleeve in there and then not set it and forget it, but really buy and hold for the long term in order to to realize that exponential growth.
2: I think you make a really interesting point there, because I, I think before and in, in the beginning of thematic investing, a lot of people considered these as more maybe tactical positions or get in, get out type of type of uh, thing. But really as a core position, um, especially for a growth investor with a long time horizon, really makes a lot of sense. Uh, now let's take a look at um, the trends or the themes which have gotten really popular. So one of the most popular mega trends of 2020 was Clean energy. And in the US, six of the top 10 best performing ETFs had exposure to the theme of clean energy. That was last year. And so this really caught the attention of a lot of investors. So, what makes clean energy a trend or a mega trend? And why would the BMO clean energy ETF Clean be an effective way to access this trend?
0: As you say clean energy did have very very strong returns in 2020 and we do expect over the long term to for this area to have continued growth and very strong returns overall obviously again in that year-to-year basis you don't know exactly what might happen as these play out over the long term they never necessarily uh, move in a straight line you know that growth is not in a straight line it does go up and down but over the long term we do expect clean energy to really take a a large portion of the overall energy market as we see it. Um, If you think about just the confluence of governments and companies globally that have set standards to move to a a net zero carbon footprint, um, you know, with the US moving back into the Paris Agreement, you have over 200 countries um, that have committed to reducing overall um, carbon footprints globally. Um, And so that is, you know, the target there is 2050 to become sort of net zero carbon. And we've seen a lot of companies as well um, make similar pledges, whether that's, um, you know, carbon neutral by 2035, 2040, what have you. Um, There's various companies that are that are doing the same thing and, and committing in the same way. And so, you know, that really does define a mega trend. You know, we're talking about 30 years here, you know, 2050 being that that time horizon on the paris agreement and so this is again something that's going to play out over the long long haul and we think there's actually a huge amount of effort behind this and a huge amount of movement again from governments and from companies as well uh, to transform the way we use energy and and really create um energy i I think one of the um things that might be misunderstood about the the movement towards this net zero carbon emissions is that People think, you know, renewables are going to completely replace oil and gas or completely replace coal or what have you. Um, You know, really, that's not the case. Overall, our energy production um, comes from a variety of sources. There's the oil and gas, there's there's coal, natural gas, there's nuclear. And renewables already make up a a portion of that. Let's say it's about 10% right now, and it's actually grown significantly just in the last few years. Um, if you look at the projections out to 2050, so again, going out this 30-year period, um, our consumption of each of those types of energy is actually going to increase. You know, Even coal, even oil and gas, it's expected to increase over time. The difference is in the makeup of what different energy sources there are. So if renewables today take up about 10% of overall energy consumption and production, that's expected to move up to about 30 plus percent and become the leading um, supply of energy by that 2050 timeline. So it's not that oil is going to go away, it's not that gas is going to go completely away. It's just that the increase in energy demand that's going to happen over time will increasingly be filled by these renewable sources. As for the BMO ETF Clean, as you call it, ZCLN is the ticker. Um, we use the s Global Energy Index for our ETF, and we track that index within our ETF. That's probably the most globally recognized index to provide exposure to clean and renewable energy sources. Um, and so that's really a global um, exposure. So you're getting companies listed in the US, listed in Canada, and listed from elsewhere around the world. And we think that's really the best way to play it um, as these companies that are involved in clean and renewable sources really can be found anywhere. And the companies you'll find in there are come from different sectors, such as utilities. They might come from the information technology sector, because this uh, index provides exposures to companies that either um, create that renewable energy or produce the equipment and technology around it. So think of fuel cells and things like that, the technology companies that help develop and build the 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 products that go to creating and consuming the renewable energy sources. And so that's the, the, the index that we follow in our fund. And we think, again, the most globally recognized index uh, within the clean energy space is a great way to provide that exposure to Canadian investors.
1: You are listening to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're looking for timely trade ideas to navigate the current market, we encourage you to tune in each Thursday for our weekly Views from the Desk episodes. You'll hear razor-sharp insights, commentary, and ETF strategies from our portfolio managers, as well as questions submitted directly from our audience of Canadian financial advisors.
2: So innovations are another popular megatrend that we saw come out of 2020 and innovative platforms these are things like fintech genomics next generation internet uh, and autonomous technology Um, these have all kind of risen as the leading innovation themes Uh, bmo recently launched a suite of innovation etfs to capture these trends so chris what's really exciting and different about these etfs and why should growth investors in particular give these etfs a look
0: these innovation ETFs that you're speaking about really are a result of the intersection of advances in technology um, intersecting with other sectors and, and other industries. So, for example, how in, um, how advances in technology have impacted the financial industry and the financial services industry. We call that fintech. Um, you know, really through the pandemic, a lot of behavior. That was projected to happen over the next several years, potentially several decades, really accelerated as we had to reduce the amount of contact we had between companies, the way we buy things, the way we interact with companies. We needed to add this extra layer into it. And so the way we buy goods and services, the way we interact with companies and service providers that we deal with has changed already. And in fact, the way um, investors and consumers interact with their financial services provider has really started to change as a result of that as well. And so we think that this is a trend that really is generational. Um, if you look at younger uh, people, the way they interact and the way they spend their money right now, the way they act as consumers uh, really is quite different than what an older generation might be doing. And so as they grow up and become you know, the main consumers of society, Um, their interactions with companies are going to be dictated by the technology that they use. And so we think that's a very, very powerful way um, for growth investors to gain access to this growth as really almost a new industry. And you can look at it across uh, these various industries that that we've talked about and that that you mentioned there. Genomics, for example, as well. Um, You know, just one example there is that, you know, multi-cancer screening, for example, the cost of that has come down significantly because of advances in technology. You know, just five years ago, uh, the cost for multi-cancer screening was about $30,000. Today, it's about $1,500. And in five years from now, it's only expected to be about $250. So just the access to get, um, you know, this multi-cancer screening is going to have a profound impact on, you know, the health of society and of, of people, obviously. And that's really just one area um, within the genomics realm that technology is reducing costs for, for a lot of these things, and thereby making it much broadly, uh, much more broader in acceptance and in terms of um, being able to access these sort of testing and different um, uh, strategies for, for for dealing with uh, with health in general. Um, also, looking at the on the autonomous side of things, so you know, one one thing that people can really get their head around that's been in the news a lot is autonomous driving, for example. You know, there's really a lot of industrial applications for autonomous, you know, robotics that build industrial products, but, you know, again, for for end investors and consumers, I think that autonomous driving is really what people have heard about in the the media and what they think is going to be coming in the near future as car companies push this sort of technology onto consumers and onto um, the broader public. Um, looking at the ride hailing business, so the Ubers and the Lyfts of the world, it's interesting that when Uber launched their, their business, um, you know they told investors pretty much upfront that the only way it would become a, a uh, cash generative business and a positive uh, income business is if they were able to have autonomous drivers or obviously no drivers, robotic drivers, um, because that's one of the biggest costs that they have is obviously people's time to drive other people around. And so the move towards autonomous ride hailing, um, in some cases is expected to be a trillion dollar company in about 10 years or a trillion dollar industry um, in about 10 years time. So not really that far away, um, obviously still long-term in terms of what uh, in, investing terms, but 10 years away, a trillion dollar industry from, from almost nothing, just a matter of a few years ago. At the same time, the reason that market might grow so much is that the automation of that is going to drop costs significantly, potentially up to 80 or 90%. So what you might've paid to hail a taxi, you know, five years ago um, is going to be down 80, 90% in the next 10 years. And so again, providing access to investors in a low cost way to the services that might otherwise have been very expensive um, just a few years ago creates entire new industries and in, immense growth potential for some of these industries for investors that are looking at this now. And so again, you know, although there's huge potential here, they are expected to play out over the long-term. You know, I think the closest thing I mentioned here was five years out. So five years, 10 years, 20 and 30 years out, these trends are gonna impact society and have huge growth potential for, for whoever's invested in them. And so we think, you know, getting in on the ground floor, so to speak, in a lot of these areas by allocating to it within that growth sleeve and holding it for the long term makes a lot of sense for investors.
2: Yeah, and one uh, great option for investors looking to add all four of these innovations in a single ticker, Fimo offers ZIN, Z-I-N-N, which gives access to fintech, genomics, next-gen internet and Autonomous Tech, all in a, a single ETF. So we've seen these active strategies uh, in the U.S. become really a really popular way to access these innovation themes. And in particular, uh, the asset manager, ARK Invest, who is really owning this active space for investing in, in innovation. Um, and actually, what I mentioned earlier about the top 10 performing ETFs in the U.S. last year, well, three of those were ETFs managed by ARK Invest. But, Chris, why might an index approach, uh, such as using a VMO Innovation ETF, make sense for this space um, in particular?
0: Well, we've talked about how these are going to be long-term investments for growth potential for investors. And really, the best way to capture that is to, again, allocate a slice of your growth portfolio to these and buy and hold for the long term. And so... Using an index approach we think makes a lot of sense in order to create a portfolio that is somewhat risk-controlled, that's not going to dominate the overall volatility of an investor's portfolio, because it is something that we think investors should just slot in there and then again hold for the long term. You know, Using ARK as the example, first of all, um, I might mention that the MSCI innovation indices um, that we do track with our ETFs were developed by MSCI in collaboration with ARK. So, using Arc to identify what these themes are, you know, you mentioned the fintech, the genomics, um, and the others. Using Arc to determine what these long-term trends are going to be, how to define what those trends are, and which companies have exposure to them, and then using MSCI's capabilities around that index and portfolio construction, that risk control, we think helps investors invest in this in a responsible way, again, without blowing up the overall volatility um, of their overall portfolio, just by getting a piece of this um, this, this growth uh, potential that, that we're seeing here. Um, you know, Even ARK themselves have said that when, when they see a bit more risk in the market, after markets have gone up a lot, um, ARK will increase the number of the holdings they have as a risk control measure um, in anticipation that there might be a down leg. And so, we think that ind- that's really a nod to the index approach that we're using, a broad-based index, creating a broad-based portfolio to track that index really reduces the overall risk um, associated with these growth investments, because again, the growth doesn't happen in a straight line. There will be volatility along the way, um, but it is a long-term potential here. And so using that index-based approach that's been developed by MSCI over, over decades, really, and their expertise not just in U.S. equities, but building global equity portfolios, um, we think makes a lot of sense for investors to allocate to these on a strategic basis, again, with the idea of holding that for the long-term and capturing that growth potential.
2: Yeah, I think that diversification is such an important point to highlight when using an index approach, because it really reduces that risk while uh, still providing that ability to really capture and hone in on that trend. Uh, This has been really interesting stuff. Thanks, Chris, so much for this fabulous introduction into thematic investing.
0: Absolutely. Glad to do it. Thanks for having me.
2: Investors have a lot of great options out there if they want to add a trend or a theme to their portfolio. There's clean energy, fintech, genomics, autonomous technology, next generation internet. If any of these themes interest you and you really want to read more about them, I promise you this is really interesting stuff to read about check out our BMO ETF Megatrends website. That's bmogam.com slash megatrends. Uh, we have insight reports, investment cases for all the themes and trends and innovations that we discussed today. Uh, so you should definitely give that a look. And that's all for us uh, from us today. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Thank you to Chris McCaney, ETF Specialist and Portfolio Manager, and Daniel Nezzle, BMO Product Specialist at BMO Global Asset Management, for joining us on Deep dive. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to tune in to our weekly Views from the Desk episodes available each Thursday morning in this same podcast series. And for all things ETFs, you can visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at BMOETFs.ca. That's BMOETFs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time, without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance.